This episode of the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by The Feed. For up to $80 in store credit this year, visit the link in the show notes. Hey everybody, I am Holly Samuel and I'm a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and I am your podcast host today. Welcome to the Holly Field Nutrition Podcast. I wanted to do a solo bonus episode for you guys this fall racing season in case you could use some of this advice. (laughs) So um, today's topic is going to be basically on how to adjust your nutrition plan on the fly so that you don't die. (laughs) Um, What to do if things start to go sideways during your race. So what do I mean by this and what topics are we going to cover in this podcast episode? So this is what to do if maybe the aid stations turn out to be less or more frequent than you were anticipating or than what was advertised. Maybe what's provided at the aid stations is different than what was advertised or what you were expecting. Maybe you start to finish slower than you were expecting and you're out there longer. How to adjust your nutrition plan to follow suit for that. Maybe you start to experience GI issues, nausea, um, cramping, maybe you have extra fatigue or that negative voice is really sinking in and how to adjust your nutrition to kind of accommodate that. Also, what to do um, in terms of your nutrition plan to plan ahead and anticipate some of these things so that you are well prepared on race day for the most optimal experience and you're good to go for the fast time you wanted to run and if everything goes as planned and also maybe if things don't go as planned. (laughs) So I want to cover all this because I know it's fall racing season, right? We are in almost October at the time of me recording this episode and some of you have maybe run races already. Maybe you've experienced some of these issues and you're wondering what gives And maybe some of you still have some races coming up and you're in your taper period. So I've experienced this myself. I've had clients experience this. um, And that's basically what inspired this episode is because I've experienced this and I've kind of alluded to some of the things that I've experienced in like my Boston Marathon recap episode and my wine glass marathon recap episode and way back in my birthday marathon recap episode, if you've been here since the very beginning of the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast. And while it might be very intuitive for me, where I have my nose in sports nutrition all the time, and I have a very profound understanding of how this all works, it might be very intuitive for me to adjust things on the fly. I get that it's not that way for everyone. And some of you might really appreciate some more insight and guidance and maybe my voice in your head on race day, if you start to get you know, a gut feeling that maybe you need to change your nutrition plan, but you're not really sure what to do. So let's dive in. So in terms of you know, your fueling plan, I cover these parameters in you know, previous podcast episodes and my long run nutrition podcast episode. I've covered it on blog posts I've written at athlosrunning.com, which is a T-H-L-O-S-R-U-N-N-I-N-G.com. Um, I've covered it in blog posts there. I've covered it on my Instagram posts. If you follow me on social media, I cover it in my courses and my programs and my coaching programs. So covered this and a lot of things, but let's cover it here one more time. So what 
parameters are we trying to meet when we are making a fuel plan for a marathon or a half marathon or an ultra marathon or a triathlon or whatever it is that you're doing? Basically, we probably want to be shooting between 60 and 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour that we're running. Um, that's a big range and that I'm not going to get too much into where you should be at in that range. But if you're running for over two hours, you know, that's probably most of you. If you're running like a half marathon in a shorter period of time, you know, maybe you could be at the lower end of that range, but it's probably not going to hurt you to be at the higher end. Just saying 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour. We're probably taking that in 20 to 30 gram doses every 20 to 30 minutes or so starting at the 20 to 30 minute mark of your race or your long run or whatever it is you're doing. Those are the carbohydrate needs. The fluid and hydration needs. So this is going to vary a lot. It really depends on the conditions, but you're probably taking in anywhere between eight and 32 ounces of water uh, per hour that you're out there. That's a huge range. So it's going to be highly individualized and you need to work with someone to figure out what that's going to be for you. If you're not you know, getting there on your own. Um, I did a really great sweat rate um, and hydration blog post on Athletist Running if you want to go check out that calculator. And electrolyte needs. So this is also going to vary quite a bit depending on the person and the season, but we need to be hitting at minimum 300 milligrams of sodium per hour that we are out there. And this could really vary depends on the person up to like 2000 milligrams of sodium per hour if it's really hot and you're a salty sweater. So those are our ranges. So we're coming up with a race day fuel plan. When I'm coming up with a race day fuel plan for my clients, I am using those evidence-based recommendations to basically put together what you're going to take when and how much and extrapolating how to do that with what's available on course, what you're planning to carry yourself, and basically just what you're going to do and how you're going to meet those goals during your race. Now, if my clients are watching this or not watching, listening to this, wrong sense, <laughs> um, you you know that we've practiced this a lot in training and we've messed with it. You know, we've adjusted it if needed. We've adjusted it based off the weather or based off of your needs. And we've put together, you know, a plan for race day to basically fall in those parameters. And I have some clients who are trying to go for like 100 grams of carbohydrate per hour and, you know, 1200 milligrams of sodium per hour and 24 ounces of water per hour. And I have clients who are trying to go for, you know, 50 grams of carbohydrate per hour, 300 milligrams of sodium per hour and 10 ounces of water per hour. So, I mean, it really does depend <laughs> on the individual. And that's not what I'm here to talk about. But basically, when we make a fuel plan, we're trying to fall under those parameters. So, you know, you're going to try and do that either by using what's available on the aid stations on the course that you're running. And hopefully you have researched this way ahead of time so that you've also practiced with those materials and those timing and with the equipment that you're allowed to bring through security on race day. Um, or, you know, if you looked ahead and you were like, yeah, I don't want to mess with the aid stations, I'm going to plan to carry or get somehow all of the things that I need for nutrition and carry them on my person or have people on the sidelines helping me out with that. Total side note and shout out to Kipchoge, Elliot Kipchoge's bottle man for the Berlin Marathon that helped him break the world record from Morton. Oh my God, that guy. If you haven't gone to, I think it was, I don't know if it was Sweatily. There was a website that had a video just basically homaging to, I think his name was Claus, um, on his bottle 
giving skills. I mean, that guy would like hop on a bike and like power bike because it's really hard to keep up with Kipchoge even on a bike, let alone trying to get ahead of him to a checkpoint. He would jump off his bike and he would get down in a kneeling position, hold the bottle out. And every time Kipchoge made contact with the bottle and successfully grabbed it, he would like fist pump and get all excited and then like rush back to his bike and jump on the bike and like take off like a bat out of hell. So if you haven't seen that uh, video, I just, I had to shout it out. Cause I mean, my dietitian heart sings for him. And I think he should really sell his services if he doesn't already, because I think a lot of people <laughs> would benefit from having someone like that in their life. Um, anyway, that could have been an advertisement, but it's not no free ads. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, you're either going to have to get it from aid stations or you're gonna have to carry it <laughs> when it comes to sports nutrition on race day. Now, that's all fine and dandy. But now I want to talk about what happens if you say, you know, relied on the aid stations, but maybe they don't have or aren't located where they said they would be or what they said they would have. That's happened to me before. Or maybe you plan to not rely on the aid stations, but then for some reason, what you have isn't working or God forbid, you didn't check the, the rules and you end up not being able to take whatever you have through security. Maybe you drop all your gels. Maybe you're out there for a long time, whatever happens. How do we adjust? <laughs> How do we adjust? So let's talk about a couple things and scenarios here to put this into context. So for myself, um, I ran a marathon in October of 2021. If you've listened to my podcast episodes, you know which one that is. I just don't want to call them out by name. But um, and they basically changed their hydration product the day before the race from Gatorade Endurance, which has carbohydrates, to Huma Hydration, um, which does not have carbohydrates. They have very similar electrolyte content, but Huma Hydration does not have carbohydrates. So they changed from something with carbohydrates to no carbohydrates the day before the race. And then their aid stations basically were not where they said they would be. There was one point on the course where I think I went three or four miles with no aid station. And I was told, read online that they would be every two miles. Um, and then at the end of the race, I think they were like every mile, like they were more frequent at the end, but less frequent in the beginning. So um, th this kind of thing, you know, it doesn't it doesn't have to totally derail your race day, but if you're not expecting it and you don't know what to do, <laughs> um, it can definitely derail your race day. So I've actually made some adjustments to my own fueling plan um, and just what I carry and what I don't carry on race day because of the situation. So, um, you know, if, if you are on course and you're realizing, hey, these aid stations are not where they said they would be and I'm relying on them, you know, for my, for my plan, that's kind of a tough situation to be in because you cannot make water appear out of thin air. <laughs> you might be able to, you know, ask someone on the sidelines to go get you water. Obviously, that's going to involve you hanging out and wasting time. Um, it's going to be better than you, you know, getting dehydrated and collapsing on course, but not ideal. So something that I do now because of that is I will carry a handheld bottle. I carry my 22 ounce Nathan handheld at least for the first half, um, if not the whole marathon, because starting to fuel early and often is and hydrate early and often is so, so important. Um, so I'll carry um, a Nathan handheld now for the first half of any race, even if I know the aid stations are supposed to be very abundant, like I did it at Boston, which was a world marathon major, and they're every mile, and they were every mile, but um, 
I carry a handheld because it really kind of did mess with my hydration status during that previous marathon where I did. I started to cramp a little bit earlier. Part of that was because I was getting my period halfway through the course um, because that's my life. But um, I did start to cramp a little bit earlier and my hamstring was cramping a little bit. And I don't think that would have happened if I had had just proper hydration. Um, Had there been aid stations where they said they were going to be on course. And I had chosen not to carry a bottle that day and I regretted it. So now I always carry a bottle. It always has my sports drink of choice in it, um, which has electrolytes and carbohydrates. I like Scratch Labs quite a bit. Um, You can get that at thefeed.com, which sponsors this episode of the podcast. Um, So I always do that now. That's just something I do. Even if I don't think I'm going to use it, I just do it. And it's kind of a pain in the butt but I just do it (laughs) because cramping up in your hamstring and wondering if you're going to finish the race at mile 13 is much worse than carrying a handheld bottle. So that's one scenario. If they turn out to be less frequent, use your resources. Hopefully you're carrying extra. Maybe you have extra salt tabs on you in case they run out of electrolyte products at their aid stations, or in case you're somewhere where they really don't have electrolyte products at many of the aid stations carry extra salt tabs. Those are so easy to keep on you. So if this starts to happen, you can be like, okay, you know, I know that I was planning to take, you know, say an electrolyte drink every other aid station. So maybe instead I'm going to take a salt tab, like, you know, every other aid station and I'm going to take it with a little bit of water that I'm carrying, or I'm going to take a sip from my handheld sports drink because at least I'm carrying that. And I'm going to try and make both of these things that are easy to carry last me throughout the race so that you can make shift your nutrition. And again, these are things that you should also practice in training. Um, Once you've really nailed down what nutrition plan and what products you like and works for you in training, it can be really helpful to just try different things. Um, And it's not so much try different things to see if you need like a new favorite product. Like I have my favorite products. I love them. I use them most of the time. But I will try things every now and then just to make sure I'm (laughs) well-rounded. I can tolerate random things so that if you do get into what I would call, you know, almost emergency situations like this, you just, you have options and you're not like getting stressed out around, oh, am I going to tolerate this type of gel? I don't know. Um, You can just take it without thinking about it. So if there's scarcity on course, hopefully I've convinced you, hey, maybe carry a handheld. (laughs) even if you weren't planning on it, or maybe carry a bottle or a belt or have a person on the side of the course somewhere with a bottle in case they need to toss it to you. I've had people do that before too, successfully. Carry extra salt tabs or extra electrolytes on you in case that's not on course somewhere. So this way, at least you have some water and some electrolytes on your person in case the course is lacking and you've got extras. And it's also a really good idea to carry extra gels or extra carb sources on you. And I would also recommend at races where they are handing out like gels or chews or whatever it is, even if you're not planning to physically like consume them, it's never a bad idea to take them while they're there. It's a lot easier to say, oh, I dropped my gel. Oh no. Like, what am I going to do? It's mile 18. I really need that gel and say, oh, well, I took this random Gatorade gel that they were handing out at mile 15. And, you know, I practice with a lot of different things in training. So I think my gut can handle this. I'll take this. Great. It really kind of saved my butt here. Then to be like, oh, crap, I wish I had an extra gel. And I don't. (laughs) So 
um, or ask other runners, hey, do you have an extra chew I could borrow or not borrow because you're not going to give it back. Um, but, you know, do you have an extra gel? Do you have, you know, and if you are the person who does have extra gels, then you can also share and save someone else's race. That's why I love the running community. So carry extra. That is my first words of wisdom. And in case you're wondering where to get that extra, let's take a minute to hear a word from our sponsor today, which is The Feed. Hey, everybody. I wanted to take a minute to hear a word from our sponsor for this episode of the show, which is The Feed. If you have heard me talk about The Feed before, you probably hear the excitement and passion in my voice. And that is because The Feed is just such a great resource. So what is The Feed? Basically, It's a website that you can go to and you can order most sports nutrition products off of. And this basically means that you can customize a box for yourself. You can do a subscription if you want to, or you can just do one-time orders. You can buy single servings of products so that if you want to like try a new protein powder or try a new gel, you're not having to commit to buying like a case (laughs) of a flavor that you could potentially hate. And that's one of the reasons why I love the feed, especially as a sports dietitian, because I know that while, you know, hey, our sports nutrition principles, they apply to pretty much everyone, but what products you actually use in that template, that's really going to depend on you, your individual preferences, your gut, and what works for you. So I love that the feed has so many different brands available on their website, so that you can try a lot of different things and see what works for you. And I was so excited to partner with them for podcast sponsorship because it's just such a great resource. I first came across the feed when I was training for the Boston Marathon back in 2021 when I started my training. And it was great because I could try all the different sports nutrition products that I tell my clients about so that I could really be like you know, well-versed in what things actually taste like and how they go down. Um, Even though I, you know, have my favorite products that I like, it just allowed me to buy single servings and try different stuff. So I really hope you go check out the feed. If you want to earn $80 in store credit this year, you can visit the link in the show notes and sign up to create an account and get started on your first order. Now let's get back to today's episode. All right. So always pack extra. First tip especially if aid stations just end up not having what they say they're going to have or not being where they say they're going to be. Know what your parameters are. Know what you practice in training in terms of the amount of carbs and the amount of sodium and fluids that you were taking in per hour successfully and try to piecemeal that together on race day if things go awry using maybe different products and being okay with that since hopefully you practice with a couple different things in training. Okay. Now we're going to talk about what to do if the aid stations are the opposite. So maybe they're more frequent than they said they would be. Maybe um, they're using like a different vessel for their fluids. Maybe they're using plastic cups instead of paper cups. Maybe they're, you know, having you need to bring your own bottle to like fill it at the aid station and they're not giving out cups at all. Um, So let's talk about this. So if this is the case and you were like, okay, I was planning on the aid stations being every, you know, two miles or so, and I was going to alternate between like water and, you know, Gatorade or something like that at every other aid station. I was going to take, you know, two cups at every other aid station. We'll just say that. 
And then maybe the aid stations end up being closer together. They're more like every mile. So you probably don't need two cups at every other aid station anymore, right? So if you were planning on doing two cups at every other aid station, and that's every two miles, you're probably going to get, if they're the paper Dixie cups, you're probably going to get three to four ounces per cup. So maybe you're going to get six to eight ounces per two miles, which for a lot of people is probably like 24 ounces an hour, um, depending on how fast you're going. And that's that's reasonable. But if we're basically doubling that, because now they're every mile, that's probably like closer to 32 to 48 ounces of fluid per hour. And that might be way too much. Um, so if you, you know, maybe make the mistake and you don't adjust and you just start to do this, um, and you start to just alternate two cups every other aid station, even though they're closer together than you thought they were going to be, and you start to get like GI distress, this can be your insight to say, oh, hey, maybe, you know, again, if I'm thinking of what parameters I've been meeting in training from a carb, sodium, and fluid perspective, this can be your, you know, kind of cue to say, oh, wait, maybe this is too much. Um, or I'm experiencing GI symptoms. So clearly maybe something isn't adding up here in my fueling plan because I've been fine all training cycle or I've felt fine up to this point. Um, so that would be the first thing. And if it's, you know, if it's GI symptoms, like you're feeling like your stomach sloshing around or you're starting to feel like a lot of bowel movement urgency and you're like, oh, oh like I kind of really need a porta potty like now. Um, my first recommendation and my first two red flags would be to think about, okay, hydration status. Am I either taking too much or too little of fluid or sodium? Um, and then your carbohydrates. Am I taking too many carbohydrates at once? You know, did I not practice taking my gels with sports drink that contains carbohydrate, but I'm doing that because that's how the aid stations line up? Then maybe, you know, you can say, all right, well, my next gel is going to line up with an aid station, but maybe I'll just plan to take the gel and I'll take some water at that aid station and then I'll get Gatorade at the next one. And I'll kind of adjust on the fly my method and see if I feel better. Um, that can be scary. And I know like this is easier said than done because when we're running a marathon, we're pushing ourselves really hard. And you and I both know that, I mean, at least I think <laughs> that the more I get into the race, the less good I get at math. Um, so, you know, again, this just takes practice. And I'm hoping that you hearing this maybe for the first time ever will at least be enough to spark your memory to say, Ooh, something's not working. Let me adjust. Um, all right. So when it comes to, you know, more frequent aid stations, again, think of like your parameters and what you're trying to meet carbs, sodium, ounces of fluid. And if that's adding up with your current method, um, the other thing too, is if the cups are a lot bigger or they're super full, um, a lot of the times when I am giving recommendations based off of aid station cups, I'm thinking of like the paper Dixie cup that's at most aid station races, like especially in the U S um, and they, they tend to be five to six ounce cups. So there tends to be about three to four ounces of fluid in there. How much of that do you actually get in your mouth? That really depends on the person and their method of taking the cup. Um, but I know some races internationally um, are trying to be more eco-friendly. So they're using like plastic cups that they'll then recycle. Um, and those plastic cups, first off, they can be a lot harder to drink from. I remember Shalane Flanagan commenting on that when she ran all the world majors in 2021 
in the fall there in a row that I think it was London or Berlin or both. I can't remember, but she said that the plastic cups are really hard to drink from. And she was having a tough time drinking from paper cups anyway, aid stations, cause she's an elite athlete. She's not used to, you know, being out there in the back with the masses who have to suffer through the aid stations. Usually she gets a bottle all to herself. She gets a cool, you know, bottle on a bike guy like Kipchoge did. We don't get that luxury. Um, and she was saying, man, these plastic cups are hard to drink from because you can't really pinch them and it just kind of gets everywhere. So keep that in mind. If you're not getting enough out of the plastic cup because it's just going everywhere, you might actually not be getting as much as you planned for at aid station. So your method might be, hey, maybe I need to slow down and I need to kind of drink out of this cup so that I'm getting all of it in and then I can continue. If the opposite's happening and you are planning your ounces around paper cups and their plastic cups. Those plastic cups tend to be a little bit bigger. They tend to be probably like eight ounce cups and there's probably six ounces of fluid in them. So if you're like slowing way down, you're drinking six ounces out of that cup and you were planning on maybe doing like three ounce cups at aid stations. Now you're getting twice as much fluid. So make sure that that fits into your parameters. And if it's more than your parameters, if you start to experience GI issues um, or nausea or just feeling like off, then maybe consider, oh, okay, maybe I need to drink like half of what's in this or I need to you know, take less in general. Um, and again, that can be really hard to adjust to on the fly. So I'm gonna give you a tip here in terms of how do I calculate ounces? <laughs> so what I tell all my clients is that typically about a gulp of fluid. So I say gulp because that's a little bit more than like a sip. Um, so true good, like gulp, you know, full swallow of fluid, um, that's going to give you about an ounce. So if you're like gulps, ounces, I don't know how to calculate this. You know, I don't know how much is in this cup because I'm taking it from a volunteer and I'm running past them and I'm not like, oh, gee, like looking at the bottom of the cup to see the number that's on there, or you're in a foreign country and it's not even there. <laughs> um, just think, okay, how many gulps am I taking out of this cup? Was it like three? Okay, maybe it's about a three ounce, you know, dose. Is it more like six? And it kind of takes you a minute to drink from the cup. Well, that's probably a six ounce dose. That might be a bit bigger. So you can kind of use that to calculate. Um, and I would say like good rule of thumb is taking about three to four gulps per, um, well, per mile, depending on how fast you're running. So probably two to four gulps per mile, depending on how fast you're running. If you're running like probably over like a 10, 11 minute mile, you probably want more like four gulps per mile. Cause you're, it's just a bit of a longer time. And if you're running a faster mile under like a 10 minute mile, maybe that, you know, two or three gulps is enough per mile. And again, that's going to vary based off of the individual and the weather, but, um, that's just a good rule of thumb. So, you know, if you're if you're taking these cups and they're really big and they're full of fluid and you're like, man, it's taking me a while to drain these, then maybe you need to adjust your fueling plan on the fly to say, maybe I'm just going to drink half of what's in the cup because that's kind of what I planned for. Um, and these cups are huge. Now, if the aid station is making you supply your own bottle and you don't have <laughs> your own bottle, um, this might be really challenging. So this is where I would ask a volunteer, hey, do you have a cup? Do you have a, a bottle that I could have? Um, or if they've got like a like a bottle station on course where you're taking like a pull and spring bottle, um, keep the bottle so that once you empty it, you can keep refilling it in the future. Or maybe ask even someone on the sidelines, hey, do you have like a vessel that I could use for the aid stations? Like just do you have a bottle of water and I can you know use the bottle of water or you can empty it out? 
Um, people are really nice. They want you to succeed. You know, ask someone that looks trustworthy. Ask another runner on course. A lot of runners are going to be running with like a couple different flasks, you know, in their vests, or maybe they have a couple different vessels and they'll be, you know, happy to offer you one. So that's something I would recommend as well so that you're not getting dehydrated if you show up to a race and all of a sudden there's no cups. <laughs> um, the contrary of that is, of course, come prepared with a handheld so that you can go through a couple aid stations and figure this out for yourself. Oh, crap. You know, they're they're not it's not a cup aid station. So I better keep this handheld. And once I drain it, you know, I can start using it at aid stations to fill. This is also really popular at like trail events or ultra marathon events where you have to be a little bit more self-sufficient and carry your own stuff. So that's something to consider as well. So now I want to talk about what to do if you're experiencing certain sensations <laughs> um, and basically things that you should intuitively go to and think about as like, oh, I'm having this symptom. It could be this. Let me try this instead. So you can adjust on the fly. And I'll give you a couple different examples. So the first one, if you are feeling like maybe a little bit extra tired, maybe you're noticing that that negative voice in your head, like, wow, this feels really hard. Why did I sign up for this? This is terrible. I'm never doing this again. If that starts to get really loud, um, that can actually be a sign that your blood sugar is going a little bit too low. And that is giving your brain a huge red flag saying, stop, 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 stop. Because if your blood sugar gets too low, your brain dies. You know, it's pretty simple. So your brain really doesn't want to die because then it can't keep the rest of you alive. Um, so the brain often will start to send you messages like, hey, stop what you're doing because what you're doing is decreasing your blood sugar too much. And we're kind of, you know, in the red here. So if this starts to happen to you, one thing that can be helpful to adjust your nutrition on the fly is to consider taking a little bit more carbohydrate a little bit more frequently. So this happened to me at Boston. I would start to notice, wow, I'm feeling like this is kind of hard and I don't think it should be yet. And then I would notice that if I took like a swig of Gatorade or scratch that I was carrying um, or I like took my gel, I felt better for like a good 10 to 15 minutes. I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. Oh, look at the people. This course is fun. I love this. This is good. Um, you know, so if you kind of notice that happening, that could be a good cue to say, hey, well, what the heck? Let me try taking my gels a little bit more frequently or let me try taking an extra sip or gulp of like a sports nutrition drink that has carbs in it. Um, there's actually some research even showing um, that if you put, you know, sports drink like Gatorade that contains carbohydrates in your mouth and you switch it around and you spit it out, that can actually help too. Um, so carbs are so good for your performance that even if you spit them out, that is still better for you than not taking them. <laughs> so um, there's my two cents on that topic. But so that might be something to consider. And then you don't have to like, you don't have to jump into this too. Some people might hear this and say, okay, then I have to take a whole extra cup of Gatorade if that feels bad. Well, no, take a sip <laughs> and see if that goes well. See if your, you know, negative thought gets dulled for a sec and see if your, you know, gut tolerates that okay. Because if taking, you know, gels or sports drink more frequently isn't something you practice in training, we kind of want to dip our toes in this on race day, right? We don't want to just go all in. So maybe dip your toes in it, take an extra sip, um, take half of a, of a gel, you know, see if it makes you feel better. And if it does, 
then you can adjust the rest of your fueling plan. You can say, all right, I was going to take my gel, you know, at miles like 12 and 16 and 20, but maybe I'm going to take it, you know, at 15 and then maybe again at 18 and then maybe another one at 21. Um, that's what I did at Boston. I started taking my gels probably every like 20 to 25 minutes towards the middle and end of that race um, versus every 30 minutes like I practiced in training. And that little adjustment made a huge difference because then your mindset doesn't get into the dumps because your blood sugar is not as low. And then you're like, hey, this isn't so bad. I can keep pushing and I can actually focus. So that's something to consider. If you're starting to feel GI stuff coming on, so maybe you're starting to get nauseous, this is where I want you to think either one, hydration, am I taking enough electrolytes? Um, is there enough sodium in my system right now? And two, um, am I taking too many carbohydrates at once? Did I maybe take my gel like with um, the Gatorade, you know, at the aid station. And I didn't practice that in training or the Gatorade cup was a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. So maybe it was just more than I practiced in training. Those are two reasons you can feel nauseous. And again, ways to combat that. If you're like, oh yeah, maybe I'm not getting enough sodium. It's a little bit, I feel a little bit hotter. It's a little bit hotter out. Um, you know, I'm doing everything that I planned, but it's a little bit warmer than I anticipated or, I'm doing everything I planned, but you know, I don't know if I'm getting like enough electrolytes in because maybe I've not been good at like aiming the cup to my mouth and a lot of it's not going in my mouth. <laughs> um, this can be where carrying those extra salt tabs, you know, on your person can be helpful, especially if you're not going to just run into another aid station every mile, if it's like a smaller race. And this is where you can say, well, you know what, let me try taking a salt tab and, you know, with some water, which is helpful if you have a handheld, because then you can just do that whenever you need it. Um, or let me take a salt tab with water at the next aid station. And let me see if that helps the nausea subside a little bit. And again, if you're like, I don't know if I can take in my carbohydrate fuel, it's still better to put it in your mouth and spit it out than to not take it at all. So if you can't fathom the idea of swallowing it, that can be a really good tip as well. If you start to experience like sloshing in your stomach, that can be a sign that maybe you're taking in a bit too much liquid and not enough sodium. Um, so if that starts to happen, that's where I would say, okay, I need to make sure that I'm taking in enough sodium. So maybe I'm going to take sports drink, you know, at the next aid station instead of water. Um, or maybe I'm just going to take some, some salt from the salt tabs that I'm carrying. And let me see if that helps over the course of a few miles. And if it does, then you can say, cool, let me adjust my fuel plan and maybe like, let me make sure I take sports drink for a couple aid stations um, and just kind of sip them, you know, out of the cup slowly instead of pounding plain water. Um, and that's something that takes a little bit of intuition and it kind of depends on the person. But if you're starting to feel like you're having like sloshing, that's going to lead to bowel movement urgency. I would say, yeah, let's kind of check your fluid balance. Um, maybe you're taking in too much plain water and not enough sodium. So adjust by taking more sodium and less plain water and sipping it slowly so that you're not chugging water. Because if you have a sloshy stomach and then you just like chug five ounces of fluid and it, put that in your stomach, you're going to have a sloshier stomach. <laughs> so, um, you know, try to do this again, dip your toes into these adjustments. There's no need to go all in on something that you're totally unfamiliar with just kind of intuitively say, okay, I'm sloshing. Holly said that probably needs like sodium or too much fluid. So especially plain fluid. So let me maybe take my salt tab 
And then I'll take, you know, some some Gatorade at the next aid station and I'll kind of sip it for the next mile and see if that makes me feel any better. And if you have to go to the porta potty and that's unplanned, obviously, because you have like bowel movement urgency, don't panic. Um, that happens, guys. Um, I was talking to one of my dietitian friends um, who was actually on the it was Stevie Smith um, on our triathlon episode. And we were talking about how people have really high expectations of their bodies on race day, especially ultra endurance athletes or triathletes who are doing like half or full Ironman events. If you're exercising for like hours and hours and hours on end, think about how many times you would typically go to the bathroom if you were just sitting at your desk for that period of time. And then you're adding exercise on top of that. So sometimes, you know what, your body's like, hey, man, I gotta go. And you're, you've been out here for a long time, and you're doing everything right. But I still gotta go. Um, if that happens to you, you know, don't panic, just think, okay, I have to go to the bathroom, I'm going to locate a bathroom or a bush and do my thing. And then let me try to assess if I can adjust my nutrition plan to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And if it does, I'm just going to try to be discreet and quick and not panic. Because once you start to panic, you know, then it gets really, really challenging to focus and come up with a plan and make adjustments because <laughs> your brain's like panicking. Um, so, you know, if that starts to happen, I would consider, am I drinking enough? How's my hydration status? One of the biggest causes of GI issues is hydration. And that either means not taking in enough electrolytes or just not having enough ratio of electrolytes to fluid. Um, I've seen people take in way too much plain fluid and then they have a lot of GI distress and they get kind of hyponatremic and they vomit. I've also seen people not take in enough fluid at all. And then they kind of hit the wall, even though they've taken in plenty of carbohydrates or they get a lot of muscle cramps and they just feel like they have the flu for the rest of the day. Um, and that can be related to not taking in enough fluid and or electrolytes. So mess with that. <laughs> if you start to say, okay, there's GI issues, why? Am I meeting those parameters? Am I doing what I practice in training? Or do I feel like I'm doing too much or not enough? And what resources do I have to make an adjustment this way in the race? So those are the sensations I wanted to go over and the situations that I wanted to go over. So hopefully some of this has drawn some light onto potential circumstances that you may find yourself in during races. And honestly, guys, like marathons and half marathons and races in general will never stop teaching us things, <laughs> especially about our own bodies. Um, you know, when things go as planned on race day, that's great. But a lot of the times something isn't going to go as planned on race day. And that's okay. What makes a champion and what makes you successful at the end of the day is how you respond. And for nutrition, it's just not super intuitive for a lot of people. Um, so they might respond by panicking or they might respond by, okay, I'm going to follow through with my plan, even though I know it's not working. <laughs> um, and, you know, being, I guess, brave enough to deviate from your plan by coming up with a new plan, knowing that you're trying to meet certain parameters, or you're trying to adjust those parameters for the day that you're having. That is a skill. That's something that I'm still working on. I mean, that's just that takes so much time and skill. And that's not really a destination you achieve one day, you just kind of gain tools to make that happen in your running career, especially with half full and ultra endurance events and marathons. Because um, again, like there's just so many moving pieces. And nutrition is such a big cornerstone of these events, because they're so long. So if 
that starts to happen, again, try to take a deep breath. Don't panic and say, okay, what are my symptoms or what's the problem? Why is it not adding up like it did in training? And what adjustments can I make? And if there's certain symptoms, you know, what can I kind of go for? If it's like nausea, okay, maybe it's hydration related. Maybe I need to consider my sodium intake. If it's like GI distress and a lot of cramping or sloshing or diarrhea, okay, maybe it's hydration related, or maybe I need to, you know, adjust my expectations um, for how my body's going to handle fuel. But there's a couple you know, tricks I can use to try and continue, you know, finishing strong by not panicking. If it's a lot of negativity and feeling like you're going to hit the wall or you're slowing down, or you're not believing in yourself. Maybe you just need a little bit more on that day. You know, especially if you're racing, race pace is so it's such a harder effort than something we've ever practiced in training. Most of you showing up to race day are going to have never run that pace for that long. If you're trying to PR, that's kind of the point, right? So that harder intensity might mean, you know what, my nutrition plan might need to be a little bit more intense too, just to match this intensity. I'm not going to panic. I'm just going to adjust and see if it helps. And if it doesn't help, then I say back to the drawing board and keep moving forward. And the biggest takeaway I want you to take away from this is bring extra things. You can always ditch your handheld bottle. You can always, you know, throw away the extra gel if you don't want to carry it once you can see that you're in the clear, but you cannot make them appear out of thin air. <laughs> so when in doubt, carry extra and come prepared. I hope this is helpful. If you are looking for a resource to help you understand, Holly said all these parameters around like grams of carbohydrate, milligrams of sodium, ounces of fluid. And I don't really know how to do that or what the heck she's talking about. Um, my Fuel Your Run mini course is still open for enrollment. I will link it in the show notes here because that might be a tool that you can use that's going to walk you right through that. So you show up to race day with a really good plan that shouldn't have you down in the dumps with GI distress and should also make you a bit more comfortable with troubleshooting GI issues. At the end of each module in that mini course, I talk about what to do if you have GI issues and troubleshooting. Um, and some of the tips I said in here are included in the course, but honestly, that really just touches the surface of what's in the course. So if you think that would be helpful, please feel free to enroll. That's still open. And I will link that in the show notes. Until next time, guys, I hope you have an awesome, awesome race season. You are all crushing it. Remember, it is okay to feel nervous for these things. That just means that you are worried and you care about it. And remember that nerves, it's the same um, basically neurological response in your body as excitement. So maybe reframe. I'm not nervous. I'm just really excited. And this is going to be a positive experience. Until next time, happy running. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 